Welcome back to Killer Fun, where we explore the intersection of crime and entertainment every other week. I'm Christy. I'm Jackie. And today, today, we have seven psychopaths. But before we get to seven psychopaths... What? I have a request. Really? Of our listeners. I like it. Do go on. Yes. We want to do your hometown crime stories. We want to read them. We would love to get a voice memo from you. You can just record it on your phone and send us an email to killerfunpodcast at gmail.com. And with your permission, of course, we'd love to play it on the air. First names only, please. But tell us where you're from. Tell us the murderer you knew or the weird crime that happened that you remember or the story that you grew up always hearing about a murder or a crime in your hometown, we want to hear it. This is going to be our Christmas episode. So Merry Christmas while you're traveling and doing all the holiday things right before Christmas. We're going to have this episode up waiting for you December the 19th. So I, but we record a little ahead of time so that I have time to edit and do all that good stuff. So we need by the end of November, November 30th, send us your hometown stories so that we can showcase them here and learn about all the strange, weird, interesting, horrible, wonderful things that happened yeah. where you lived when you were a kid or where you live now. Yeah, we want to we want to hear about this. We yes. want to talk about all of the things that are actually going on cuz we explore the intersection of crime and entertainment. Yes. But we do like to kind of dabble in the true crime a little bit. And yeah. by dabble, I mean we don't commit true crime. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but we <laughs> but we dabble. We like to know about it. We like to talk about it. I don't know. It's a real strange obsession, but do go down this path with us, all right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So send us that, or you can send me a direct message on Facebook, Killer Fun Podcast, exploring the intersection of crime and entertainment, or on Twitter, Killer Fun Pod. Yes. Go yeah. find us on our social media. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Share it because we're going to make a post about this. Yes. So when you see that, share it because you have friends and you don't know something about them. And this may be the puzzle piece okay. you need. And this is why we're asking for this in November. And we're going to give it to you in December because if you're going to travel and see people at Thanksgiving, if you have a difference of political opinion or religious opinion, and you don't want to talk about that stuff, you know what people like to talk about? They like to talk about the weird thing that happened when they were a kid, and you want to hear those stories, and you might as well share them with us. Absolutely. You'd be internet famous for your weird hometown story. Do tell us. I love it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So wait, are we going to bring our own? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. I'm excited. I, I didn't realize that. I didn't I, think about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm we're so We're going to bring our own. Okay. And we're going to cover as many as we can. And if that means we need to go really long, I'll go really long since y'all will be doing traveling and stuff. I'll go really long. We'll so go long. We'll go as long as we need to because we love you and we're here for you. <laughs> we are your support system processing all <laughs> these strange right. things. That's right. You know. That's right. Yeah. Like if you had mafia in your family, <gasps> let's hear about that. Ooh. Let's hear about that. Did you remodel your house and find something weird? Oh, I want to hear about that. 
You know, I lived in a, in a house that was built in 1868 uh-huh. and, and we didn't really remodel. We didn't tear anything down, but we did kind of like do some things and it was a uh, horsehair plaster instead of sheetrock. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we're tearing off the wallpaper and it started to crumble. And all I could see were like these visions of skeletons, like <laughs> falling out of my wall. And I was like, no, put it back together. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So no, tell us your story. Yeah. We want it. We absolutely want to hear it. All right. So seven psychopaths. Wow. This this was a trip. I had not seen this movie, nor even really heard of this movie until I don't even remember how I found it. I think I did an internet search for crime movies that are funny, and this came up high on the list. Well, I had never heard of it until you said anything about it, and I saw this cast list, and I was like, how did I miss this? <laughs> exactly. exactly. That's how I felt about Bernie, because I hadn't really heard about it until you told me about it, and I'm like, how did I not know about this? Right. I mean, this is a star-studded cast in here. Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, really. yeah. And, and not like before they were big, either. No, they, they were big when they were in this. So Sam Rockwell played Billy. He was... Frank and Matchstick Men, which we've already covered. And you mentioned... Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yes, that's all you can think of him in, really. I can just see his smile. He was so perfect. Like, if you've read the book and then you saw the movie, he's a perfect embodiment of this character. It's fabulous. That's awesome. We have Colin Farrell, who's been in a ton of stuff. He played Marty in... Seven Psychopaths, the writer. He was in Minority Report, the Total Recall... No... The Total Recall remake, not Total Recall. <laughs> but you should, that should, that's like technically how it should be done. Yeah. Recall. But, but, no, but it's recall. But it's recall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a, yeah. It's weird. And then he was in True Detective, uh, the HBO. He was in one of the seasons of that. Christopher Walken as Hans. I mean, his career dates back to 1953. He was just 10 years old. Uh, The first thing I remember seeing Christopher Walken in was he was in a TV movie of Sarah Plain and Tall. I've not. Oh, I've not seen that. Oh, heard of it. It was so good. Have you ever read Sarah Plain and Tall? No. Oh, my kids had to read it in school. I remember when my son read it. It was short. It's like a, it was like a third grade book or something like okay. that. It was like, but it was a chapter book. And so it was a big deal for the kids to read it. I remember being like, I don't remember this well. And I sat down and read it in like an hour. It's just so charming. But Christopher Walken is great in that movie. And he's great in this movie. He's great. And I mean, he's been in a ton of stuff from the really, really good, like Catch Me If You Can. He was Frank Abagnale, the father. And then the really terrible and like Geely <laughs> <laughs> movie that should not have been made. It's he tried. A, he tried a, to elevate it. It's a, it's a crime that that movie was made. <laughs> and then we have, of course, Woody Harrelson as Charlie, who got his first big break in Cheers, which is what I remember seeing him in first. Me too. I think that was really like the first thing that he really was known for. And then he went on to do, what's that movie? Which one of which uh, there are the, many? The killer, uh, Natural Born Killers. Oh, Natural Born Killers. Yeah, and I was like shocked because he was Woody on Cheers, you know, like so, and here he was this like murderous I was, it was very shocking to me. I still have a hard time kind of reconciling that. So, you know, he usually plays murderers or psychopaths or psychopathic murderers. And, (laughs) you know, okay, 
instead of talking anything else about Woody Harrelson's career. Okay. His real life dad was a contract killer. No. Yup. What? <laughs> I, what? I was shocked when I read this. And I mean, it's probably not shocking for most people. Probably anybody who's like a big fan of his would like totally know this. But I did not know this. But doesn't that sort of reconcile it now? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Wow. Okay. Okay, wait, wait. Is he in jail? Like, how do we know this? I, I don't think his dad's alive anymore. So I read an article. There was a... A journalist, Simon Hattonstone, who interviewed Woody Harrelson for The Guardian when Woody Harrelson did a movie called Rampart, and he was like a cop that had issues. Okay. (laughs) He had read online somewhere that Woody Harrelson's real-life dad was a contract killer, was like a murderer. Yeah. So... I read this article. I'm going to share some of it with you. They call him a contract killer in the cuttings, Hattonstone says. Is that a glamorization or simplification of what he did? Harrelson chews some on imaginary tobacco. Yeah, I mean, that's probably fair. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, he's a convicted hitman. I cannot believe this. He was jailed in 1973 for the murder of a grain dealer named Sam DeGelia Jr. and sentenced to 15 years, but released after five for good behavior, which don't even get me started on the high I killed people and you're going to let me out in five years for good behavior. You had to say this and I had to Google it, right? So I'm, I'm reading right now, right now. Uh-huh. And, and right now I see three convictions. Yeah. Um, the... Probably the biggest one was in 1981. He was given two life sentences because he assassinated a district judge by the name of John H. Wood. Wow. Uh Uh-huh. So the journalist asks, do you see much of your father in you? This is Woody's Harrelson's answer. Quite a bit. I was born on his birthday. They have a thing in Japan where... They say if you're born on your father's birthday, you're not like your father, you are your father. And it's so weird when I sit and talk with him, it was just mind-blowing to see all the things he did just like me, idiosyncratic things, the way he laughed, the face, very similar. So it's so interesting to think, you know, if you have this kind of belief that you are are another person embodied in somebody else because you're born on their birthday that had he not become an actor, Woody Harrelson might have been a murderer. Yeah, that's scary to think about that as a possibility. And it begs the question, was he afraid of becoming a murderer and so became an actor? Uh Uh-huh. I mean, I hope so. I mean, I hope that that's the way, because he seems like, I bet he's a challenge in real life. I bet he's a challenging human being you think to, so? be, to spend some time with. I bet. I bet he's a lot of fun, but I bet he's also kind of difficult. Hmm. It would be my interpretation. Interesting. But, you know, he's a great actor. He's really good at it. He's good at playing mentally ill. Very deranged uh, yeah, people. Yeah, homicidal people. You know, he's really good at it. He is good at it. He's very, how do you say, humorous. Uh Uh-huh. 
you know, and he's also, I'm trying to, do you see me? I'm trying, the gears are turning. I'm trying not to use the word crazy, uh-huh. um, but he, <laughs> but I mean that in a delightful way. Like he's got a, he's a, a wit and a humor and he's just and likable, but also a little scary. Uh, right. Yeah. Sometimes he plays a killer who looks a little too smart, but other times he just plays the silly person who happens to be a criminal. Yeah. Right. And yeah. you know, and that's yeah. kind of, I guess, I don't know him in this movie, Seven Psychopaths. I felt like he was a very silly person. Yeah, in a I, lot of ways. It was, it was really like funny and fun loving. It seemed very human. It did his portrayal actually. in this that the very as little as he cared for people and as much as he cared for the dog. It's not something that's difficult to relate to mm-hmm. or understand. I'd agree. Yeah. 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 I thought he was uh, charming. Yeah. Fair. All right. Let's recap this. Yeah. Now, let's now recap. that we talked about, now that we got that out of the way, because I was like, I had to talk about that up top. Yeah. That's a big deal. Cause I'm just mind blown. Really? This story you're about to recap, y'all hold on to your butts. This is, <laughs> <laughs> this is, I don't know how you're going to recap this. I'm I'm interested to listen to this actually okay, right now because I actually <laughs> might need a little recap of this. I remember sitting in the movie and going, "Wait, what? Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, Wait, I'll, what? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And that uh, was me the whole movie. Yeah. So I watched it and made notes. And I literally, I did it early. I just had like a little extra time one day. And so I sat down and started doing this. And I was like, I'm going to have to watch that again. I, I don't know if I liked it. Like the first time I'm like, I don't know if I really liked that. I think I need to watch that again. So I did. You did? You watched it again? I, I did. I watched it a second time while I made my notes yesterday. How did you like it the second time? I st- I'm still pretty undecided. Really? I really enjoyed it. I think there was only one thing that was super predictable for me, uh-huh. um, but it was also the most entertaining part of it Okay. to me. Okay. So I enjoyed it. Okay. But well, let's, let's talk about uh, yeah, it. Good and luck you can with tell that. I'm, yeah. I'm excited. <laughs> so there's a couple of guys. They're standing around. They're talking about John Dillinger and stuff. They're waiting around to kill somebody. You nervous because we're going to kill that chick? And the other guy just deadpan. And it was so funny. Yeah, look at me. I got the chick killing shakes. <laughs> it was so funny. I don't know why, but the second time I watched it, I like had to pause it because I really just lost it over that. <laughs> so they're talking about this. And meanwhile, a man in a red mask with two guns walks up behind them unobserved by them at all. And he walks up and shoots them both in the head and kills them and leaves Jack of Diamonds playing cards next to their bodies. He's psychopath number one. Then we meet Marty, Colin Farrell. He gets a call. Someone's waiting on his screenplay. Billy, Sam Rockwell, arrives to kind of hang out with Marty. And the girlfriend, Kaya, would really prefer that Marty just work on his screenplay and not hang out with Billy. You get the impression right off that Billy's a bad influence and Kaya's over it. She's done. She's really uh, perceptive. Yeah. She knows. Yeah. She knows. But she is also mad at Marty. Uh, Yeah. So she's not really happy with either one of them. No, that's fair. That's super fair. 
So the men end up at a movie and they talk all the way through it, which drives me really, really angry. You hear me not trying to say crazy there? Yes, I did. I saw it. Ooh, you know what we ought to do? Okay. Complete aside. Okay. Every time we say crazy, we need to count it. And then whoever goes on Facebook and tells us how many times we said crazy Uh needs to win like a small prize. Oh, and that'll keep us accountable. Uh huh. Right. Okay. It'll help keep everybody else accountable because okay. they'll get very good at listening to when uh-huh. that's used improperly. Uh-huh. Okay. I don't know. Are we in? I, I, yeah. Okay. All the, all, I don't know what we'll give away. It'll be something funny, but not a Jack of Diamonds. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it'll be different every episode. I think it'll be different every episode. I okay. think we'll have to come up okay. with something related yeah. to the subject at hand. Yeah. Okay. That's a good idea. All right. Maybe it'll be seven of something. Ooh. Seven of something small. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Okay. Okay. Back to the movie. <laughs> now I can't cut that part out. <laughs> <laughs> so as they're talking through this movie, they're talking about Marty's real girlfriend, Kaya, and Billy's potentially imaginary girlfriend, and Billy's dog borrowing business. Quote, unquote, dog borrowing. He's not a dog napper. He's a dog borrower. Borrower. Because he's not going to nap them permanently. (laughs) I guess that has has a lot of connotation there, doesn't it? Yeah. Permanent dog nap. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. It's a very strange way to think about that. But actually, I wonder if this happens. And I can't wait because I know that you've looked this up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I can't wait. We'll get there. All right. Hang in there. All right. So then they're in a park and Billy is kind of selecting marks for his dog napping business. He's selecting owners and their dogs to see whom he should dog nap and to later return for the reward. And so later we see Hans, Christopher Walken, he returns a quote unquote lost dog and claims the reward. Then we learn Hans has a wife who's been battling cancer and he goes to see her and Billy and Marty are together again talking about the screenplay. Seven Psychopaths is the name of the screenplay that Marty is working on. I feel like it's so meta and it just gets more meta from here. Marty wants it to be about love more than about murder, though I think he really still wants some murder in it. Well, because, well, he's got to sell the screenplay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And Billy shares an article about the murdered two men we saw at the very beginning they were mafia guys who got murdered then we learn about psychopath number two the quaker killer this terrified me oh really i have a uh how do i say a phobia of 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 puritans and like quakers really yeah it's like just their unusual way that they dress or that it's so conformist or what i think maybe d all of the above okay Just everything about it, like, weirds you out? Yeah, it's the whole cult feeling that comes from it. It's the whole Salem witch trial, like, Uh that's terrifying. It's Scarlet A, yeah. Yeah, it's the way that truth is perverted in this way that's just very scary and this very, I don't know, but I don't know, the hats are just terrifying. (laughs) Okay, so the Quaker killer, so there's a girl, and she's murdered, and her murderer serves his time, has a change of heart in jail, and is set free. And But he's haunted by the girl's father. He follows 
the murderer everywhere for 11 years. And he believes, the murderer believes that the only way that people are guaranteed to go to hell is if they die by their own hand. They commit suicide. So desperate to get away from the Quaker, the murderer kills himself because then at least the Quaker wouldn't be in hell with him. And the Quaker is standing outside of his apartment watching him commit suicide. And he also pulls out a knife and cuts his own throat so that he can torture his daughter's killer in the afterlife. That's psychopath number two is the father who was chasing after his daughter's murderer. It was a good little story. It was a good little story. I like that little story. Yeah. It was interesting. Then we meet Charlie, Woody Harrelson, which incidentally, Woody Harrelson's father, Charles. Charles. Just interesting. So he's interrogating his dog walker about his lost dog, Bonnie, who's a boy. Just, I thought it was interesting that he would name his male dog, Bonnie. It is odd because, you know, my mom's name was Yvonne, Mm -hmm. but her nickname's Bonnie. It is definitely a girly name. Dennis, a cohort of Charlie's, reports that a bunch of dogs have gone missing near the La Brea tar pits. It might not necessarily be the dog walker's fault. And Charlie then scares the dog walker by almost shooting her in the head a couple of times. He's psychopath number three. Marty and Kaya argue at a party after Billy tells Kaya that he told Marty the Quaker story that he's walking around telling at parties and going to include in his script. And so he's unsure if there's going to be any kind of ramifications from that. Then we meet psychopath number four, an Asian priest who's in a hotel room with a sex worker. He speaks Vietnamese and she says to him, Oh, didn't we have some big war with you guys? And he says, yes. And the war isn't over. Very ominous. Marty wakes up at Billy's house the next day with a depressed dog sitting on his face Kaya threw him out after their argument, and Marty doesn't remember their argument because he has a very extensive drinking problem. Um, Billy says it's because he's both a writer and Irish and that he didn't ever have a chance. (laughs) So (laughs) Ah, it's funny. Yeah. Then they're in the kennel where Billy keeps his dogs, his borrowed dogs. Borrowed dogs. You know, this is. So frustrating because they have such a infrastructure for their little business. And all I can think is you are spending so much work to do this illegally and you can actually make money just doing it legally. Yeah, just board the dogs. Just board the dogs. Dude, hire the dog walker that lost Bonnie. Yeah. Anyway, Marty's sitting there, you know, a little hungover and picks up Ellie Weekly and starts flipping through it and... Billy kind of freaks out a little bit because he's placed an advertisement for psychopaths in LA Weekly because he'd like more. He'd like to help Marty out. Bring us your stories. Bring us your stories. The weirder, the better. Hans returns a dog as part of the scheme and Dennis is following him. Dennis being one of Charlie's cohorts. And kidnaps him to find out where the dogs are being held. Hans takes them to the kennel where Marty is reading Ellie Weekly and Billy has left to go check on Bonnie, 
he uses her he did use her name this is charlie's dog bonnie Bonnie. the depressed dog (laughs) they're looking for bonnie as they are being marty and hans are being roughed up by charlie's goons the jack of diamonds walks in and uh shoots him and then leaves after throwing playing cards at him convenient very very convenient maybe a little too convenient maybe a little Mm. too convenient charlie arrives at the kennel and dennis still alive he's been shot but he's still alive so they get him attention and then they realize they find a letter about hans's wife and realize that she's at the hospital billy and marty return to billy's and a man is waiting there holding a white rabbit stroking it petting it he felt he felt a little like the that Bugs Bunny character, the giant. <laughs> you know, he picks up Bugs Bunny and yes, I love him and I, I stroke him. him. He's I love I him. I want to hold him. I squeeze him. Uh, yes, and there I we go. Love him forever. Yes, that's that's kind of what he reminded me of with his little rabbit. I wish I thought of that. It would have been more pleasant. <laughs> um, this is Zachariah, played by Tom Waits. He had called in response to the LA Weekly article, said he wasn't one of the ones who was threatening Billy. Billy leaves and tells him to tell Marty his story. So he does. Zach was 17. He was robbing a judge's home and he found two bodies and a girl chained in the basement. So he frees the girl. Her name is Maggie. And they kill the judge and fall in love. And they decide to become serial killers who kill serial killers. So we see how they do so. In 1949, the Texarkana Moonlight Murderers. In 1954, the Mad Butcher of Kingsbury Run. And in 1975, the Zodiac. Zodiac. Yeah. After they murder the Zodiac by lighting him on fire. And he had bunnies in his yard that he was caring for raising i don't know there were bunnies in his yard and it was weird lots of bunnies lots of them all of them white just like the one that zachary was holding they sit outside as the house burns behind them and they break up they there's no words that talk about this you know they break up because they're both crying and she gives him her ring and gets up and gets in the car and leaves by herself So Zach misses Maggie quite a lot. And he says that Marty is welcome to use his story in his screenplay, but he would like a note with his phone number put at the end of the movie so that if she sees it, she can get in touch with him. And Maggie and Zachariah are psychopaths number five and six. Charlie goes looking for Hans's wife because he wants to find Hans to find out where Bonnie is, the dog. He ends up shooting Myra, the wife. And Hans passes Charlie in the hall on the way to Myra's room and smartly realizes that there's something up and walks right past her hospital room. Then he goes into the room and finds her shot, deceased. So Charlie's sitting in the waiting room. He doesn't know what Hans looks like. He was just kind of hoping that Hans would be in Myra's hospital room. Hans sits down across from Charlie and Charlie compliments his handkerchief, his cravat. And so Hans offers it to him and he unties it and pulls it off and he's got this big 
big scar on his throat. It's really like, big this is like gash. big, like scary. Like it's obviously healed and has been for a long time, but it's extremely large. Then we see Billy arguing with a girl. It's his girlfriend, but she's also Charlie's girlfriend. Oh, this is why Billy couldn't tell Marty more about her. She implores Billy to give the dog back because Charlie is insane, literally. Hans calls Billy to tell him that Charlie killed his wife. Billy's pretty upset about this and shoots the girlfriend out of revenge. Yep, right in the stomach. Right in the stomach, hands her a jack of diamonds right before he shoots her. He does call her an ambulance, but we find out later she doesn't make it. Billy is psychopath number seven and number one. Yep. Because he's also the Jack of Diamonds. Billy gets Marty and Hans and Bonnie the dog from his house just before Charlie and his henchman Paulo get there. And they find a bunch of playing cards in Billy's house and they realize that Every deck is missing the Jack of Diamonds. Therefore, Billy is the Jack of Diamonds, which we assume that it's Charlie's henchman that he killed right at the beginning. Yes, that, we do. We yeah, know. We, we they do. say it. Oh, they do. They, they do. do. They say it. You're right. They say it. Marty asks Billy to help him write seven psychopaths, and they stop in a bar. Hans doesn't drink, but he might take peyote later. You know, whatever. Marty shares about the Quaker killer story. And then we come to realize that the Quaker killer killed Hans's daughter. Hans is the Quaker in the Quaker story. Story. It's Hans. It's Hans. Hans is the dad. Yeah. And super meta. The obviously, gash. Yeah. Is because he cut his own throat, but obviously Just didn't die. Just to torture the guy, Just, make him think he was following him to hell. Yep. So then Marty invites Hans to help write the screenplay too. Like, hey. And then they go camping in the desert. Smart. Okay. Hans reads what he has of his script so far, and he makes some really valid points about the female characters and talks about how much he likes the Vietnamese priest and how he thinks that story could be better. Billy wants a shootout in the movie where all the characters in the movie meet in a cemetery and we see this whole thing as Billy is describing it. And it's kind of funny. Marty and Hans go to a local store for some supplies and they see Billy's picture on the front page of the newspaper as the Jack of Diamonds suspect. Hans and Billy uh, take peyote, but Marty really wants to talk about how Billy's a murderer. Billy says it was to help Marty write. He just wanted to give him material. That's not a good reason. It's not even the reason, but it sufficed for his purposes at that moment. Yes. So Marty admits to alcoholism for the first time. It's been very evident throughout this entire movie. He drinks quite a lot. In a really bold move in the middle of the desert with a murderer, he says he doesn't want to write a screenplay with a murderer. I'm like, he would just discovered that this man is a murderer. Don't you think you should tread a little more carefully with the murderer? He feels comfortable. It's his friend. He's not even really that mad. He's just like, maybe I don't want to write a screenplay with you. I mean, that's, he went back to the campsite. Yeah. Marty goes to collect Hans, who's kind of wandered away, and the car explodes behind them, and they think that 
Billy has committed suicide. No, he was in the tent. Don't be mad. (laughs) He's called Charlie to come collect his dog and told him to look for a burning Buick in the desert. And really, Billy is very excited about this. Well, because he's going to get his shootout. Exactly. All the characters are going to meet just like he wants. Yeah, exactly. The ones that are still alive, I mean. Yeah. So Hans ends up leaving, walking away in the desert. Marty kind of decides he's going to stick around, see how things play out. I think he's kind of hoping to save Billy's life, even though he's unwilling to use a gun. I'm not really sure. I don't know what his deal is. I don't either. So Charlie arrives to collect Bonnie, and he's doesn't have a gun, and he is alone, just as Billy told him to. And he, Billy's very angry. You came to the final showdown without a gun? He's very upset. Well, that, you told me not to bring one. Yeah, he's very upset that Charlie's not following the script that Charlie doesn't have. Billy shoots Charlie in the back, and... Marty really wants to take Charlie to a hospital because he doesn't want to watch somebody die, even though I'm pretty sure he was planning on watching Billy die, but I'm not sure. Anyway, Charlie only brought a flare gun. Then we, Hans, we see him, he's been walking for a while and he makes it to the Joshua Tree National Park Visitor Center and all of Charlie's henchmen, including Paulo, whom we met earlier in Billy's house, are there waiting. He didn't come alone. Of course not. Of course not. Of course not. He's just smarter than Billy gave him credit for. Yes. But that doesn't say much. Right. (laughs) Yes. They have a little altercation. Billy shoots off a flare gun and Hans goes to reach for a tape recorder that he's got in his pocket and the henchmen think that he's going for a gun and shoot Hans. Now this flare gun though has signaled Yes, the sh- flare gun has gone off. Mm-hmm. The the henchmen have seen it. So have the police who are there at this visitor center. Marty and Charlie meet up with the henchmen on the road. They are driving out to where the flare went off. They're, they were leaving to try and take Charlie to a hospital. Yeah, no, Charlie's not really all that wounded. So they go back to get Bonnie. Billy is on top of the rocks and as they drive back marty realizes this is the shootout this is it right here this is the shootout because there's a big cross on top of these rocks and bless his heart it's the cemetery yeah and bless his heart it took him a long time to figure that out it really did he really needed some plot explanation help some of these people are not as smart as they should be yeah yeah there's a spectacular shootout billy Ends up realizing he's been bested. He tosses his weapons out when Charlie instructs him to do so. But he forgot about the flare gun Charlie did. And Billy's got Bonnie and is threatening to shoot her in the head with a flare gun. Which I guess to a small shih tzu that would be 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 pretty pretty detrimental. And Billy puts a jack of diamonds in her collar because she's going to be his victim. Charlie tries to shoot but he's got this gun that that doesn't work properly and it's a whole thing and it's kind of funny and just as he's gets to he's counting to five he's gonna shoot bonnie in the head with the flare gun just as he gets to five the gun works and charlie shoots billy in the head but in a twist of 
ironic and hard fate, the dog, Bonnie, doesn't run over to Charlie. He stays with Billy as Billy dies. Charlie and Paulo are arrested. Marty ends up back at the visitor center. He finds Hans dead in the street, takes the tape recorder, and it's Christopher Walken narrates this whole alternate Viet Cong Vietnamese priest story. And it's great. It's so good. It's so good. It's so much better. <laughs> so Marty ends up finishing the screenplay. He's living in Billy's house. He's kept Bonnie for himself. All the people he was supposed to be writing the screenplay with are dead. And the credits start. You kind of get the idea. Okay, maybe he's, you know, he's he finished his screenplay. He's got his life together, whatever. And then there's a phone call from psychopath number six, Zachary. Marty forgot to put the note to Maggie at the end of the movie. And Zachariah went and saw it. And he's very upset. And he says, I'm going to be over to kill you on Tuesday. That's good. I'm not doing anything Tuesday. And Marty just sounds so sad that Zachariah just, he can't. Well, you know what? Tuesday doesn't work for me after all. You, I'll, I'll be there. Uh, I'll, I'll be here. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck with that. He's just like, oh, well, I don't need to kill him. He's already dead, basically. Like, yeah, you get that impression. Yeah. The dog's name really is Bonnie. Oh, well, of course. Of course. Of course. Of course. And, but there was no note in the actual credits to... From Zechariah. I, I watched all of the credits. To just see to, if it was actually to there. To see if there was something there. That's fine. Because I thought that would have been super meta and funny. And I really thought that they would have put some kind of note in there. And they didn't. I was a little disappointed. That's pretty funny. Actually, I thought the whole ending was a bit of a twist. And then it was like a twist back. And yeah. I wasn't sure. Yeah. This was really well liked by critics. In a review by The Guardian... By Philip French, there are odd moments in Seven Psychopaths when Marty's understandable exasperation becomes tedious and repetitive, but mostly the ruthless black humor is sustained and occasionally some genuine emotion can creep in and touch our hearts. Well, that is the, that's the mechanism of dark comedy. Yeah. I'm like, that's succinct. I like that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know what was not succinct? What? My recap. I told you it was going to be hard. Because there's so much happens and it's so weird. It is really strange. I mean, if you were to come up with like a three sentence recap, it'd be really hard. It'd be hard. Yeah. They write a screenplay about the movie that they're in. What? 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 Yeah. Yeah, Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or, Or he dreamed it. We got to the end there, and he's riding, and the dog's there, and I was like, "Yeah, maybe it was he made all, it all his up. imaginative process of what I, it, I oh. felt like it became. It, that was all the muse, like all of the friends that he had that spoke to him about what it was, and that's why they are the movie. Like I thought, all of that was absolutely like his just imaginative process until he got a call from Mister Bunny Man, and then yeah. I thought, oh, <laughs> okay, oh wait a minute, okay, yeah, it's hard okay. to describe it." Honestly. Yeah. Did, did you like it? I did like it. Yeah. I, I thought you would. And I'm a little wishy-washy on it because I don't think I would tell anybody else to watch it. And I think after seeing it twice, I don't need to watch it again. I did like it. Uh-huh. I think it was uh, unpredictable in a way, but I especially liked how all the storylines came together. Yeah. I like how we're introduced to psychopath number one. 
And then that's also psychopath number seven. It's very bookendish, right? But I also kind of like that he was the one who introduced him to all the psychopaths in a way. Yes. You know, and yeah. I don't know. It's just, it it's was interesting. Inter- it was interesting. I use that word a lot, but I well, apparently have a curiosity for these things. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if I wanted it to be untrue. Like, I don't know at the end if I wanted it to be Marty's imaginative process for him to be Mm. just a better successful writer who had to go through all of this in their mind. Yeah. You know what I mean? And kind of play this story out. And if we were really just watching the movie he just wrote, you know, like I wasn't sure I wanted it kind of encapsulated in there, Uh but, and then he gets the call from psychopath number six. Yeah. So it was kind of, Oh, well, yeah. Well, we have plenty to talk about, and we'll do that right after this quick break. I'm Josh. And I'm Skinner. And we host PredictoCast. On this podcast, we watch the first 10 minutes of movies we know nothing about and then try to predict what happens next. It's like very low-stakes gambling. We've covered movies with talking dogs, fake legs, sexual medical dummies, and Santa Claus. New episodes are released every week, and you can find us wherever you get podcasts or at predictocast.com. We predict you're going to love this show. And we're back. Is it true? Billy was a dog napper. Let's learn a little bit about dog napping. This is a thing? I mean, I'm not, okay. I should not be surprised this is a thing, but it just... It's a thing, but not quite in the way it's portrayed in the movie. Right. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So there aren't very good figures. This is from Modern Dog Magazine. I don't know why that's so funny to me (laughs) that Yolanda Brooks wrote this article and it was in Modern Dog Magazine, but it just sounds like a made up magazine. It does kind of. (laughs) It does kind of. Modern Dog, I'm sure you're fantastic, but (laughs) it sounds made up. Um, (laughs) so there aren't really reliable figures about the number of pets, specifically dogs in North America, because police don't distinguish between pet theft and property theft, which makes sense. But it's weird. It's weird when you think of your pet as part of your family to think of them also as property. It's a little weird. I suppose so. But I see how in the eyes of the law, it's that way. Yeah, because you can't give them equal rights and and call them like missing persons. No, uh, you no. know, so in that case it's their property. property. I mean, if we get to decide, you know, when their suffering has reached an end, we can end that for them. You know, we don't typically do that for other people. Although I don't want to get into the whole... Yeah, no, that's like, a whole rabbit trail. Yeah, we're not going to um, get into all or that. Or shall we say white bunny trail in this movie. <laughs> um, yeah. Although I did have my dog stolen once. Oh, yeah. Tell us that. So I had a husky. Yeah. You know, and uh, huskies are desirable. People like them. Um, and I came home to find her her wire lead. Now, if you ever use these wire leads, they don't just break. No. Right? And they're they're coated. And I came home to find it cut clean. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I found the, the dog at a pet shop close by and I had to track her down. You know, there's thankfully crossing guards and other kind of police officers who were doing traffic stuff and then others had seen. And so I had been able to track her down. And when I found her, the other side of the lead wasn't there. Um, but the pet shop owner had her in a cage and had like the store's collar and mm-hmm. 
you know, the simple basic leash on her. Right. You know, yeah, choke already. leash. You yeah. know, kind of thing already on her. Yeah. And that that owner was not happy with me and started to try to give me grief about about not having a proper collar tag because we had just moved. So she didn't have her new one. It still said Georgia. Oh. And we were in Massachusetts. And so it wasn't proper. Although the phone number was the same. Right. Whatever. Yeah. Nobody bothered to try and call the phone number. Oh, no, no. No, no. She was annoyed with you because she'd spent $50 to buy this dog, and now she had to give the dog back to I you. I totally think so. Yep. Yeah. Um, there's a nonprofit organization called Last Chance for Animals that's based in Los Angeles, and they estimate, based on their users, that there's about 2 million pets stolen every year. Now... It could be a dog like yours, Mm -hmm. where it was a desirable dog. Pedigree dogs are very expensive. People will steal them and resell them inexpensively. Mm -hmm. So because people want a particular type of dog and they're willing to not ask very many questions. And some of them get stolen to be used as dog fighting prey, which is awful. They may end up in a puppy mill uh, some of them are taken for ransom, like what Billy's doing in Seven Psychopaths. There was a family in Glendale, Colorado, who paid $1,500 to get their dog back because their dog was stolen from their vehicle. And then there's, uh, they're called bunchers, and they'll go around stealing pets out of yards and sell them for medical research. That's what they think is the most common, like really probably the least common is holding them for ransom, then reselling them, breeding them, dog fighting. And then the most common is this. That's sad. Yeah. Ooh, that's why you shouldn't buy anything that's tested on animals like that. Like there's a certain amount of testing that needs to be done on animals, but they do that in controlled environments with particular types of, you know, rats and things. I mean, preferably you could not do that at all, but there's some, you You know, there's a certain benefit. We don't, don't buy cosmetics tested on dogs. There are some things we just don't need to test on animals. There are other things that, you know what, we, we just have decided as a society is beneficial for humanity in a way that... Yeah. The sacrifice is, is worthy, but um, yeah. Well, and measures are taken to make sure that those animals don't suffer unduly and things like oh, that. Oh, definitely. And the the people that are buying pets, stolen pets, yeah, they're not doing the things to make sure the pets aren't right, no. hurt. So, you know, don't buy cosmetics. In fact, I wouldn't buy their animals. cosmetics because, you know what, if they're going and cutting corners that way, they are cutting corners everywhere. Yeah, who knows how much lead or asbestos or whatever is in your makeup. Yeah, their little ransom business seemed to uh, require quite the property. Mm-hmm. I thought, wow, that's a really big, you know, business you got going on there. In LA, that's a, that, just the Prime, kennel just real estate. Just sell the daggum building. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? All right, so we move on to the Quaker oh. and his uh, belief. So... The belief that we have of the murderer is that he believes that if he commits suicide, that he'll go to hell. Now, the murderer we have we learn is uh, Catholic. He converted to Catholicism, 
on Bulldog Catholic, they talk about suicide, that it's Catholics believe it's contrary to the love of God, but that things like serious mental illness and depression can mitigate people's guilt as far as their actions when it comes to suicide. So not necessarily everybody who commits suicide will go to hell, according to Catholics. But the Quakers, their emphasis is more on a a present time and experiencing the leadings of light, God, in our lives. This is from the uh, Friends General Conference on fgcquaker.org. And that individual Quakers are allowed to hold whatever beliefs they want about life after Earth, which I thought was kind of interesting and progressive. Actually, they are quite progressive in in a a lot of ways. Yeah, you know, rejecting set forms of worship and yeah, um, just kind of it's very do your own thing. Mm -hmm. But it's more about uh, helping you build a relationship that's personal rather than telling you how you have to build a relation that's relationship that's personal. At least that's what they say they believe. I think uh, as with all kinds of uh, religions, it varies from place to place, congregation to congregation. How strictly that's enforced is different in different parts of the country and different congregations. So... Uh, Zach and Maggie become serial killers who killed serial killers. So the killers that they purported in the movie, they're real unsolved crimes. Mm -hmm. Yes, which I didn't realize. The Texarkana Moonlight murders were a series of unsolved murders uh, that happened in and around Texarkana in the spring of 1946. They called the serial killer the Phantom Killer, the Phantom Slayer. Um, And he attacked eight people in the span of 10 weeks, five of whom died. It went unsolved. They think that it might have been a man named U.L. Swinney. And he was linked to the murders by statements from his wife, but his wife refused to testify against him. And he was never convicted because she was the only one. I mean, if I was married to a murderer, I may be hesitant to testify against him especially in 1940s texas right they had no understanding of serial killers really that would have been what yeah. in the world yeah this, you know i say was, no but there just wasn't a ubiquitous understanding right exactly I mean, not now, like now i think like if you know you're married to a serial killer you i would testify because they're not really the type to hire like Woody Harrelson's dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that wouldn't be edifying for them. So, Do I need you know. to warn your husband? <laughs> I don't think he's a serial killer. No, I don't think so. <laughs> There's the Mad Butcher of Kingsbury Run, um, also known as the Cleveland Torso Murderer. His first victim was September of 1935, and his last two victims were August of 1938. He did butcher people, and they were typically drifters or lower-class people. People he thought were easy victims who might not be noticed. Low risk, they call that. Low risk. Um, And then, of course, the Zodiac, who killed for a long time and sent letters to police and 
newspapers and things and just stopped. So, which makes sense that if they said they killed him in 1975, the killing stopped in 1974, that would make sense. It would fit. It would fit. In the timeline of the movie. And our final, is it true thing? The Joshua Tree National Park is indeed a real park. I've always wanted to go. It's interesting. It's got a really varied type of terrain. There's desert, there's mountains, there's, it's like 90% of it is no civilization of any kind. It's very protected. Yeah. Don't touch a Joshua tree. Don't. You can't touch, touch a Joshua tree. A Joshua which tree. is just, I mean, ever more enticing. Yeah. I of just course. want to touch a Joshua tree. <laughs> yeah. Because you're not allowed to touch it. I mean, yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, I was interested before. Uh-huh. But now it's like, <laughs> I want to do it. <laughs> Maybe don't. I like to make, I don't I mean, want do to. Do they monitor these things? I don't. I'm just kidding. I'm I don't kidding. know. 90% of it's like, uncivilized undeveloped i bet you could probably touch one and it'd be okay unless they have every single one of them in the park with cameras on it no i mean you know what google's doing (laughs) (laughs) they'd have the flyover happening just as you happen to touch touch it it. Mm -hmm. yeah you'd have my my name is jackie hat on yes that points straight up yeah all right, our psychology break. Ooh, let's do it. All right. So this one was kind of, I put it first because it kind of straddles the is it true and the psychology. Bonnie seemed depressed. <laughs> and dogs can indeed experience depression. They can, and it's they, so sad. Yeah, it is sad. Bonnie was actually a pretty cute dog. I'm not she really a big cute. fan of the Shih Tzu uh-huh. types. Yeah. This dog was really pretty. She was. She, she had was. good like coloring. Yeah. 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 Dogs are when dogs are depressed, they often appear sad, lethargic, withdrawn. But you can help your dog. Things that can cause depression in dogs are physical illness, grief, environmental changes. They might have fear. And instead of being a dog who does who acts out violently, they might be depressed. Or if their owner is sad or depressed, they might have empathetic depression. But you can help your dog. You can go exercise with them, which is good for you both. You can do fun activities, do like general training with them. That often makes the dog feel happier. Basically, it's attention. We talked about this just last week. We did talk about this last (laughs) week. Just last time that we recorded when we talked about Nexium. Yep, because we were talking about uh, studies yes. and how you have to be careful yes. about what kind of confounds, other factors are not accounted for. Yes. Um, you could also take your dog to doggy daycare so that they can have interaction with other dogs. Um, you got to be careful, though, not to coddle them too much because then they'll associate the acting sad with you giving them attention and they'll learn that if they act sad, you'll give them attention. So you want to be careful. You want to help them out of their depression without enabling that. There are some interesting articles from the Spruce Pets. Not modern dog. Not <laughs> No, not modern dog. The Spruce. The Spruce, the spruce. Pets. So Marty was an alcoholic, and uh, Billy blamed it on his profession. 
So I was <laughs> and like his race. <laughs> yeah. And his country of origin. Mm-hmm. How common is alcoholism for certain professions? Lawyers, it could be up to 20% of attorneys struggle at least with binge drinking, if not full-on alcoholism. Nurses and other healthcare professionals are particularly at risk. Mining was big, like 17.5% of those in the mining industry. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Construction, hospitality, and food service was nearly 12%. The arts and entertainment was actually a little lower, 11.5%. So that's where I think Marty would fall. Management, real estate, finance, and insurance, all of those things. Educational services was less than 5%, which I found encouraging. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. And then peyote. <laughs> I thought, I don't really know much about peyote. I know it's psychotropic. I know it's used by Native Americans of some religious backgrounds, like their Native American religions, Mm -hmm. um, to help them expand their mind. Peyote is an endangered species, by the way. Really? It's endangered? Yeah. So if you're going to purchase it from someone, uh, make sure that they haven't acquired it. Uh, illicitly that it's been grown specifically for that purpose. So how about that? Yeah. The psychotropic part is the crowns or the peyote buttons and they're dried and then either chewed or brewed into a tea to release their substances that cause the psychotropic reactions. And it's, A trip is characterized by its visual effects, philosophical or introspective insights, and feelings of euphoria. So it remains legal for ceremonial use in the U.S. under the American Indian Religious Freedom Act. And then they tell you what to expect. The peak time is between two and four hours after ingestion that you might get your most... uh, Vivid? Re- re- revealing thoughts. Oh, revealing thoughts. Mm-hmm. I see. Like, I, like you go through a whole like nausea phase and psychotropic phase, and then you kind of mellows out to the, I'm going to have big, expansive thoughts about life phase, and then it wears off after 12 hours. It is hours a long so. time. Yeah, 12 hours. Grace and Frankie had a fabulous scene. <laughs> oh, did they? Yeah, it was great. Like they took some peyote. Oh, yes, they peyotied. Did they- did they have on the uh, beach. big thoughts? All of the stages you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yep. Pretty hysterical. Good for them. <laughs> it's, if you haven't watched Grace and Frankie, y'all, yeah. you got to go watch this. But it's really It's kind of like a modern Golden Girls a ish. little bit, right? A little ish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's funny is that some people will say that it's more risque. I don't think so. Mm. I think it's just a little bit more overt. Uh, because the Golden Girls were super risque, oh, yeah. but they tended to cover it and use a lot of uh, smart humor uh-huh. to gloss over some situations there. Um, so it could go over your head or it may not feel so embarrassing if you're sitting there with your child. Whereas, just FYI, Grace and Frankie has have a business together and it's not something you want other small children 
Oh, to, to listen to. Okay. Yes. Good to know. Mm-hmm. Good the to name know. of their business is Vibrant. Oh, wow. Okay. I think the mind goes a lot of places. No, I think your mind went to the right place. <laughs> All right. Real life. Real life. Billy, psychopath number one and number seven, wore a mask as the Jack of Diamonds, who were some serial killers who wore disguises. So it's really not very common for a serial killer to wear a disguise, a mask, um, because they typically already blend in with the general public. They look pretty normal. They often do it for psychological reasons. So for example, Ed Gein, he uh, had multiple masks made of human flesh. The Zodiac Killer, we don't know much about him because he did wear a mask when he attacked a number of his known victims. Which actually says a lot. Yeah. Because if he is going to kill, uh-huh. then he, those people aren't going to be able to tell people what they look like. If they wear a mask, there's something about that that shows a familiarity. Now, I'm not talking like hardcore facts here, but I'm just saying right. in general, like I see a pattern of even a serial killer who blends in so well, it's part of the reason they can get close. Yeah. But what if you can't get close... Yeah, because they already know you. Because you're too familiar, Ooh. right? Like you then would have to, for instance, Billy, Billy man, you know, he's killing too close to home. Therefore, yeah, he's you know, it's not just not seen in public. It's about. Well, yeah, because his first two victims that we see, he, they don't ever see him. They don't ever see him. I mean, and even if they did, who cares? They're dying. I mean, who cares? That's not, not but who, people care, but yeah. he didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> who cares? They're dying. Who cares? <laughs> who cares? <laughs> yeah. Well, but the, I wonder, I mean, obviously he's going intent to kill them and he doesn't want to be recognized by somebody else, but just it's, just putting the mask on, maybe like give them a chance to separate who they think they are from what they're doing. Maybe so. I think definitely in the in the case of Mr. Ed over there, uh-huh. oh, yeah. that's kind of different. You know, that is not concealment. But yep. you know, Billy. Oh, in the first scene, it doesn't indicate a lot to me. I, I don't know. It just does seem like an mo. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But. The other times that we see him kill, he couldn't have gotten that close without the mask on. That's also true. Well, and he would have been recognized right. by... Marty would have been like, Marty and Hans, Dude, yeah, you know, what are like, you doing? So he had to wear the mask. It was of necessity. Yep. Alex J. Mengel, he was a Canadian killer, and he scalped one of his victims and used her hair as a wig. So there's that. Hayden Clark was known to wear uh, women's clothing and makeup. And after killing one of his victims, he put on her clothes, a wig that looked like her hair, and wore some of her jewelry. Identity theft is a crime. (laughs) As is murdering somebody and stealing their identity. It's just, uh, don't you wonder? Don't you wonder? Man. That stuff makes you wonder. Yeah. Calling cards, however, mm. much more normal for a serial killer. So, for example, 
Dennis Rader. Yes. BTK. BTK. And his is interesting. It's a B and a T sideways, and the K is kind of made out of the T. And they actually kept that mark. He would leave it at the scene and use it in the letters that he wrote taunting the police. And the police kept it quiet for like 30 years because they didn't want anybody to claim responsibility who was not actually responsible. There was a man named Ravindra Kentrell, and he he was called the beer man because he'd leave a can of beer next to each victim. And of course, you know, the Boston Strangler, his leave behind his tell was that he would strangle his victims with their own underwear, stockings, or scarves. Then there's also the Happy Face Killer, who was Keith Hunter Jesperson, and he killed eight women over the course of five years and ended up turning himself in because he hated how much attention the two people who confessed to his crimes that they did not commit were how much attention they got. He hated it. So he turned himself in. And then, of course, the most famous Jack the Ripper. The gruesome scenes were a signature, as was a literal signature on letters that he wrote, though we know some of the letters that he wrote to the uh, media outlets at the time were fabricated. Yes. Yeah. We do know that now. Although this is still pretty much unsolved, they do have some ideas now. Looking back in history. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have a random question. Okay. Not saying that you're a serial killer. <laughs> okay. But, um... <laughs> kind of sounds like you're about to call me a serial killer. But if you were. <laughs> oh, is this like O.J. Simpson's If I Did It? <laughs> <laughs> it's a glove, do must <laughs> quit. Uh, what would you leave? Oh, what would I leave? Okay, but oh, okay, I'm going to open it up because not everybody okay. leaves something. I mean, everybody has a signature, right? There's some sort of signature. But if, if would you leave something or what would be your trophy? Oh, or both? Trophy. Well, I don't want anything in my house that can tie me back to it. You think you could resist? <laughs> I don't now, know. This is a crazy it, line of questioning. It depends on... I guess how nice their jewelry collection is. <laughs> well, maybe that's how you pick your victims. Man, that's a nice ring. I don't even like rings that much. Um, I don't know. I'd want it to be something clever. I'd have to think about that some more. Maybe a flower of some kind. I'm kind of girly, so maybe <laughs> maybe that. How about you? Yeah, I don't know. I just thought of the question. Okay. Uh, It's not something that's kept you up at night? No. Okay, well, you tell (laughs) us, dear listener, you get the chance to think about it. So tell us not only your hometown, but tell us what your leave behind or trophy would be if you were going to be a serial killer. And And then, you know what? This is a way of keeping you all honest. This is a service we're providing. (laughs) We're going to keep you all honest because you're going to tell us this. And then, you know, we're going to... So here's what I'm going to say. You're not going to actually be able to become a serial killer. Yeah, don't do that because we'll we'll know. Yeah. But here's what I'm going to say. Don't post this on social media. 
Don't don't do that. Email us. Oh yeah, send us a direct message or a direct message. Yeah, and let us know, and that way we can just like rattle off some of the things Uh that people say. That's right, and that way you know we'll keep you accountable. That's right, and Um, then nobody can frame you. Nobody can frame you, and 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 we'll get to to have fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. That'd be good. I mean, I feel like I want to say something about the Golden Girls. Like, I kind of want to like leave a uh huh, a Golden Girl like 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 a straw. You can, you can. (laughs) (laughs) But then everyone would know it's me. (laughs) You light a candle next to your victim of one of the Golden Girls, one of those nativity or votive candles that have their picture on it. We yeah. could totally do that. Yeah. But in one episode, you know, Sophia is thought to have killed somebody and like leaves her purse there and it's in the newspaper the next day. And they're like, You went and killed him. They left their purse there. And she's like, Oh, that's where I left it. <laughs> and they're all like, You killed him. And she goes, Kill him. No, 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 no. And she kind of says, No, that's not what I was gonna do. That's not what the tradition is. And they're like, Well, where were you after the afternoon? And she was like, Well, he was kind of cute. So I worked in a little kiss of death, and then we ended up spending a very delightful afternoon. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Billy placed an advertisement for psychopaths, so I thought, what are some weird want ads? I'd like to know what some solicitations are that are unusual and these are all fairly old they were all actually in newspapers and there are a lot of them that were really funny and i picked just a few will the person who got hit in the head with a tomato in the 1950s please contact me wow that's it's so weird you got hit with the head and did this person throw the tomato do they want to apologize did they have a specific target in mind and now they need to finish the job that the tomato could not but i want to call and find out what happened (laughs) well the whole phone number is not here so oh bummer yeah so if we place an ad saying, will the guy who placed an ad, ad asking for the person, <laughs> yeah. will you please contact us? Yeah. We'd like to talk to you for a podcast. <laughs> They're probably not alive anymore. Uh, surgeon wanted for a new health clinic opening in the area. Okay. That seems normal. A little weird to advertise that in the newspaper. You think that'd be a more network sort of thing. Here's where it gets unusual. No experience needed. Must have own tools. Oh, oh, that's a different type of surgeon. Yeah, yeah. This is... Mm-mm. How many of these do you think are serial killers talking to each other? Oh, <laughs> at least some of them. <laughs> at least some. Pony for sale. Looks like a small horse. In case you don't know what a <laughs> pony is. <laughs> Just in case you're unclear as to what a pony is. It looks like a small horse. <laughs> waitress needed must be 18 years old with 20 years of experience nice yeah okay Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then the last one looking for someone to do yard work must have a hula hoop (laughs) i don't know what they want a hula hoop for i don't understand 
I have a feeling there's a lot of metaphor going on in that ad. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's 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 probably something sexual that I don't I understand so. there. I feel like that's the truth. <laughs> I will not Google it. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, I've I've been burned by that one too many times. I don't know what this means. And I think it's something vaguely sexual. Let me Google it. No. Even if you don't think it's something sexual, you you probably ought to let your mind go there and explore the possibility before you Google that. You know what I mean? There's some things you just can't unsee. You just can't unsee. So first of all, have your safe search on. Uh, Just. Yeah. Have your router set properly. Okay. Uh-huh. And yeah. And then yard work and hula hoops and I can't even imagine. But I can imagine enough to know I'm not gonna Google it. Yeah, yes. I can imagine to know that that's not something I really want to see. That's correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So next time, Netflix original. Extremely wicked, shockingly evil, and vile. I feel like vile needs another adjective. Yeah. It's, it's very uneven. Yeah, yeah. It is a little uneven, but it's the story of Ted Bundy from the perspective of his longtime girlfriend, Elizabeth Klopfer. I think I'm saying that right. If I'm not, you the know. The documentary will correct us. It will, it will correct us. Obviously, I haven't already watched it. But yeah, Liz, his longtime girlfriend, who I think um, my understanding is she had a difficult time believing he was A, capable, and B, actually guilty, which I can see, you know, he blended in really well. It's hard to love somebody and realize the horrible things that they're capable of sometimes, so... Yeah, yeah, I think that it would be very difficult for yeah, somebody I'm, in her position. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm looking forward to watching that one. Yeah, me too. We're going to have a good time with yeah, that. Yeah, we are. We're going we're gonna to check it out. So you watch it. Check it out. If you don't get a chance to watch it, we'll tell you everything you need to know at the start of the next episode. But do join us. And don't forget to send us your leave behind or trophy if you were a serial killer that's in the dms we don't want anybody framed (laughs) or investigated yeah it's just not yeah no and and also your hometown crime yep so the thing you grew up hearing about the weird thing you found the thing that happened to your neighbor whatever tell us about it we want to hear about it and we want to share it you can be pod famous absolutely so join us next time Forge audio. Dream it. Build it. Share it.